You are listening to the audio preaching podcast from North Valley Baptist Church in Santa Clara, California, led by Pastor Jack Treber. Though located in the heart of the Silicon Valley, you will hear fervent, old-fashioned revival preaching from the pulpit of North Valley Baptist Church. It is our desire that you will be helped by this gospel message. Hebrews chapter number 12 and verse number 28. Hebrews chapter number 12 and verse number 28. The Bible says, Wherefore we receiving a kingdom which cannot be moved, let us have grace whereby we may serve God acceptably with reverence and godly fear. For our God is a consuming fire. And I'd like to speak to you tonight on the subject, a consuming fire. Heavenly Father, I pray now that you'll move in a great way. Thank you for what you've already done. You've stirred my heart, Lord. And I thank you for just allowing me the privilege to be here. Really, I should just pay my own way and come and sit in the, in the crowd here and just listen and be on the altar every time. But that's how I felt, Lord. You've spoken to me every time. And I thank you so much for it. Lord, tonight I need your help. I pray that you'll please empty me of myself, that you'll cleanse me where I've sinned and failed you. And I pray tonight, Lord, you'll please fill me with your power. Lord, I can't do anything without you, but there's a work that you want to do, I know. And I pray that you'll please do it tonight, Lord, for your honor and for your glory alone. Thank you, Lord, again for these young people. Thank you for their heart to serve you, Lord, and the way they've sung to you tonight, Lord, the way that uh, they've listened to the preaching, responded to the preaching. Thank you for it. Lord, I pray that you'll just continue to reach in there tonight and squeeze their heart and just do something that only you can do, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you so much. You may be seated. There's something that's very captivating and fascinating about fire. I remember when I was here back in 2020, in September of 2020, uh, we'd come out here for the college revival. And uh, I can remember that was in the height of COVID. And man, things were really crazy during that time. And uh, I remember Brother Evertson took us out to eat, my wife and I. And uh, it was when the wildfires were raging out here and the sky just looked like the apocalypse. I mean, it's just a red glow in the sky. And thankfully, the people that were in positions of government, uh, they, they cared about our health and they didn't want us inside during that time because we might breathe something that was harmful. So they had us eat outside while the ash was falling, you know, outside there. So anyway, that's very kind of them to care about our health like that. But I can remember as those wildfires were raging and boy, everybody was talking about it. Uh, when I was a teenager, I traveled with my parents in evangelism and uh, we came home one night. We traveled all night. It was wintertime. And we came home, and uh, we got home in the early hours of the morning. I'd already been sleeping on the trip, so I didn't need to go to bed, so I stayed up. And uh, one of my jobs at the house was to burn our trash. And so we would keep the trash that could be burned in one container and the trash that couldn't in another container. And that was just one of my jobs. And so uh, there was a place out back where I would burn it, and where we would burn the trash was about right here. And then there was kind of a field. It was about the size of probably just one of these sections here. Then on the other side of that field was a, a barn that housed a lot of real expensive farm equipment from the farmer that farmed right beside us there. And so I went outside there. My mom told me, she said, Sam, be careful. She said, it's real windy outside, and, and so be careful whenever you burn. Well, I was a teenager, and I already knew everything, and so I just went on out there, and uh, I thought, well, you don't need to tell me that. So I went out there and grabbed the trash, and I put it all out there, and I lit it on fire. And I'll tell you what, whenever that thing began to burn, that wind just picked it up and started taking pieces out of that fire and started blowing them over into that little field. And I mean, the grass was dry and it was about that tall. And whenever those pieces of fire hit that field, I'm talking about it just lit just like it had lighter fluid on it. And I began to panic. The first thing I did was went over and they were taking some shingles off of the shed that was right next door. And so I grabbed one of those shingles and started trying to beat it. And the shingle just broke and that didn't work. I ran back to the house and as a few yards away, I ran back to the house and I grabbed a water hose and I unhooked it and tried to turn the spigot on. And I ran down there and I started squeezing it and it was frozen. 
and no water would come out. By this time, I was starting to get a little bit scared, and I knew my mom would panic. So I walked inside, and I tried to act as calm as I could, and I said, Mom, don't get, don't get panic or anything, but there's a little fire back there, and I was trying to burn the trash. My mom just all of a sudden just reached underneath the sink, and there was a little hairspray can-sized fire extinguisher that her mom had given her. I don't even know how long ago it was or how old that thing was. But I can still picture my mom about this tall, 100 pounds, soaking wet and full of bananas. She grabbed that fire extinguisher, and she ran out there, and I can still picture her jumping by those flames just spraying, trying to put out that fire. Well, that still didn't work, so I did what I should have done in the first place, and I called 911. Nobody ever wants to do that, but I did. And pretty soon here, just a couple of minutes, I heard the sirens. And, man, here came the fire department coming from Wayland, Iowa. And they came out there, and, boy, in just a couple minutes, they put that fire out, but not before it had burned almost that entire field and stopped about that far from that shed with all those expensive tractors in it. Man, I'll tell you what, that fire got out of control really fast. But the thing about fire is it's a fascinating thing. It's a captivating thing because fire doesn't just change things. Fire consumes things. And the Bible says here, our God is a consuming fire. Tonight, with the help of the Lord, I want to preach on four consuming fires in the Bible. And I just pray that you'll open your heart and receive what God has for you. The first one I want to talk to you about tonight is, number one, a fire for sinners. A fire for sinners. In Romans chapter 6 and verse number 23, the Bible says, For the wages of sin is death. We're all familiar with physical death. We go to the funeral home and we've seen dead people before. But I'm talking about the Bible. is talking about another kind of death in the Word of God. In Revelation 20 and verse 15, the Bible says, Whosoever was not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. Doctors say the two most painful ways to die are to drown and to burn to death. Can you imagine forever and forever having both of those things drowning in a sea of fire, in a lake of fire, and never able to die and never able to live? I have a preacher friend in Kentucky, and he told this story. He said a man was driving down the road, and he said this man collided with a semi-truck. And this semi-truck was carrying a chemical, and, uh, and the properties of that chemical were such that whenever water would touch it, it would burst into flames. I don't know exactly what it was. I was preaching somewhere, and a lady came and told me, but I forgot what she said. But anyway, uh, this, this man collided with this semi-truck. And so that chemical got all over his face, and they hauled him into the emergency room. And whenever he was in the emergency room, he was moaning and groaning from that chemical. It was burning him. And so one of the nurses, she meant well, but she didn't know what was going on with the chemical, so she dipped a rag in water. And whenever she did, she put that rag on that man's face. And as soon as it touched that chemical, his entire face just burst into flames. They said that he was screaming. You could hear him screaming all up and down the corridors of that hospital. He was screaming this, oh, God, let me live or let me die, but don't let me keep on dying. My friend, that's exactly what hell will be, forever living and forever dying and never able to do either one. Hey, listen, anybody that says that hell doesn't have real fire, they're either ignorant or they're a liar. Hell is not just the grave. Hell is not just a place of darkness. Hell is not just something here on this earth. Hell is a real place with real fire where real people go to burn and scream forever to pay for their sins. In fact, Jesus himself, in Matthew chapter 5 and verse number 22, Jesus himself used the words hell fire in Matthew chapter number 13 and verse number 13. I'm sorry, Matthew 13 and verse number 41. The Bible says, The Son of Man shall send forth his angels, and they shall gather out of his kingdom all things that offend, and them which do iniquity, and shall cast them into a furnace of fire. There shall be wailing and gnashing of teeth. My, my friends today, young people, I'm telling you, there is a real place with real fire where real young people just like you go every day to burn and to scream forever. You say, why are you being so mean? I'm not being mean. I'm your best friend. Hey, if this building was on fire, wouldn't you 
want me to come and tell you and say, get out of this building. You're going to burn up in here. I'm here to tell you something. There's some of you young people that are sitting here right now. You've been through six services already. You've heard six messages already. You've had six invitations already. And yet if you were to die in that seat right now, you would be in the flames of hell. Hey, listen, I plead with you. Don't leave this building tonight without accepting Jesus Christ. Don't go to that awful fire for sinners. Oh, please don't do it. Hey, a man in New York told a story about a friend of his. He said about seven years before my friend died, he went through a revival service. And he said God mightily dealt with his heart and he knew that he needed to be saved, but he would not get saved. He said it was almost like after that, God didn't even deal with his heart that much anymore. He said that one day I was going to church and I walked by his house and I called his name and I said, hey, come on, go to church with me today. He said he looked at me and very mockingly, he opened his hand. He said, you show me a hair growing in the palm of my hand and I'll show you a Christian. He said, I just walked on to church. He said it wasn't too long after that, the man was on his deathbed and he said as he would lay on his deathbed, he would moan and groan and the doctor would ask him, sir, why are you moaning? Your disease is not painful. He said, doctor, it's not the disease of, a, of the body that's paining me, it's the disease of the soul. He said the night that he died, I walked into his room and he said, this is just, I'm not cussing, this is how he described it. He said whenever I walked in there, I felt like I was in the region of the damned. He said there was an awful evil presence you could feel in that room. And he said, whenever I walked in there, he said the, the man was laying there and he said just about an hour or two before he died, suddenly he began to just scream at the top of his lungs, I'm in the flames, pull me out. I'm in the flames, pull me out. He said it was such an awful thing. He said he kept screaming that, screaming that as his voice was getting lower and lower. And he said, I heard him whispering and I lowered my ear to his mouth to hear his last words. And he said, I can just hear the whisper, pull me out, pull me out. He said, I'm, it's been several years and I can still hear echoing in my mind, pull me out, pull me out. A hospice nurse told this story. She said that there was a young man who was 20 years old and he had liver cancer. She said, normally being a hospice nurse is very rewarding. She said, you don't get thanked much as a nurse, but she said, you're able to be there with him in those times that are sweet and special times. But she said, in this particular case, this 20-year-old young man that had liver cancer was angry and bitter. She said, he, she said he had a sweet Christian mom, and his mom would come up to him and sit by his bed, and his family would gather around. And she said his mom would come, and his mom uh, would say, son, just go toward your mama's Jesus. Just go toward your mama's Jesus. And he would look up at her, and I won't even describe or blank out what he said, but he would say uh, he would curse Jesus to her face. And literally, as the family were around, he would spit in their face. The day came, and in the last hours that he was about to, when he was about to die, and the family called her in. And they said, we think it's getting pretty close. She said, I walked in. She said, he wasn't responsive. His skin was clammy and cold. And he wasn't breathing very much at all. And so she said that as the family was gathered around, one more time, the mother was right up there next to him. And the mother was saying, please trust Jesus as your Savior. Just trust Jesus as your Savior. And he opened his eyes. And he once again, just with an awful curse word, just cursed Jesus. And they said, he laid back on his bed. But then all of a sudden, they said, he looked over. She said, he looked over to the left and he got the most horrific look on his face. She said, he opened his eyes real wide and he cussed and he said, oh no. And he laid his head back and died. She said the family, family members were literally shaken. They ran out of the room. She said, I took the next two days off. I don't even want to know what he saw. Hey, listen, my friend, I'm telling you today, hell is real. Don't ever let the people tell you that hell is not real. Why do you think people use it for a cuss word? The devil's made it to where they want you to feel like it's no big deal, and you get used to it. Hell is real, and right now, beneath our feet, there are thousands of people just like you that had an opportunity to be saved, and they rejected that opportunity. Please, tonight, young person, do not reject that opportunity to be saved tonight. Evangel 
evangelist J. Harold Smith told the story. He was preaching in a revival meeting, and uh, he said he was in a tent meeting, and he said during the invitation, he felt like God had impressed upon his heart to talk to a family of four that was sitting on about the second row. So he came down in there, and he talked to the uh, man. He looked at the man right in the eye. He said, sir, have you received Jesus as your Savior? The man said, yes, preacher, I have. He said, that's great. He went to the mom, and he said, ma'am, have you received Christ? And she said, yes, sir. He said, I looked at the son and I said, young man, have you received Jesus as your savior? He looked right back at me, he said, and he said, yes, sir. He said, when I looked at the young lady, the teenage girl, he said, it was almost like, uh, he said, I was just taken aback by the hardness that she had in her eyes. And he said, I looked at her and I said, young lady, have you received Jesus as your savior? And he said, she looked at me and she said, no, sir. Just kind of spat it out, no, sir. He said, I looked at her again and I said, well, can I, uh, he said, would you come forward and just kneel at the altar here? I'll have somebody take the Bible and show you how you can be saved. Wouldn't you do that? She, he said, she looked right back at me and said, no, sir. He said, I said, well, can I have a, a lady from the church just come and sit beside you and maybe she could just show you how to be saved. And he said that one more time. She said, no, sir. He said, whenever she said that, it was like the Holy Spirit said, just get away from her. Get away from her. He said, we ended that meeting. I dismissed the crowd. And he said that family of four got in their car and they pulled out on the road. And whenever they pulled out on the road, he said a car came, another vehicle came and, and hit them right in the side and knocked the car clear across the road. And it was upside down on the other side of the road and they were hanging by their seatbelts. He said the mom was, was thrown from the car and so she was across the road from the car. He said all of a sudden some gas leaked out uh, of that motor and it hit a hot part of that motor and that thing blew up and it just exploded into flames. He said that young lady began to scream, oh God, I'm damned to hell. Oh mama, I'm damned to hell. He said that mom was across the road and she was crawling on her hands and knees across that highway trying to get to her little girl. Hey, let me tell you something. That girl went from the flames of that car to a flame a whole lot hotter, the flames of hell. Young person, let me tell you tonight, I'm pleading with you. Every one of these men would plead with you tonight. Your youth pastor would plead with you. Your mom and dad would plead with you. Do not die and go to hell. Please trust Christ tonight. Just a few miles from where I pastored in Kentucky, there was a fatal bus crash. It was May 14th, 1988. If you're ever driving on Interstate 71 between Louisville and Cincinnati, you can see the green sign there for it. And it says, site of fatal bus crash, May 14th, 1988. A bus, a, a church bus, just like many of yours that you came in, was coming back from Kings Island in Ohio. And as they were just driving along, it was full of young people. They were playing games and singing songs and having a time just like you did on the way down here and just like you will be on the way back. And a drunk driver right there in Carroll County, Kentucky, came across the median and hit that bus, and the bus burst into flames. I'm talking about, I watched a news article on it, and they said that it was, un I mean, it was just an unbelievable thing. They said that those, those young people, they were trying to get them out of there, and they could not get them out of there, and they said their bodies were so mutilated and burned, they literally couldn't get their bodies out of the bus. They had to cover it up and haul it off somewhere to the National Guard Armory. 24 people died in that bus crash. Let me ask you tonight, if that was your bus going home, would you go from that fire to the fire of hell? So are you trying to scare me? Hey, listen, it's not my job to scare people, but if I could show you hell, if I could lift the lid off of hell tonight, there's nothing any of us could say tonight that would scare you as bad as what you would see in the realities of the hell. Hey, there's a fire for sinners tonight. Oh, listen, there is a fire. There is a hell. There is a place where people go to pay for their sins. But I escaped that awful place when Jesus saved my soul and not one hair upon my head will into that place go. Hey, listen. Listen, have you escaped that awful place? Has Jesus saved your soul? If not, hey, now's the accepted time. I love the theme, knowing the time. You know what time it is? It's time to get saved tonight. It's time to trust Christ tonight. Give your heart to Jesus, young person, tonight. 
Don't go to the fire for sinners. Number two, in the Bible we find there's another fire, and that's a fire for sanctifying. In 1 Peter chapter number 1 and verse number 7, the Bible says that the trial of your faith, being much more precious than of gold that perisheth, though it be tried with fire, might be found unto praise and honor and glory at the appearing of Jesus Christ. There's a man in the Bible named Job. Job lost everything at one time. Every single, every single type of human suffering, Job went through it. Can you, can you imagine losing everything and being bankrupt, having no money to your name, and then getting the word that all of your family members had died, all of his children, all 10 of his children. Now, he still had his wife, but she turned against him. His friends turned against him. He lost his health, had boils from the top of his head to the bottom of his feet. And by the way, young people, it was the devil that did that to him. Don't ever let somebody tell you, hey, if God's going to treat people that way, I don't even want to serve him. Hey, when, G, when God created everything in Genesis chapter 1, it says God beheld everything that he had made, and behold, it was very good. God made everything very good. God's not the one that brings suffering. It's sin and Satan that brings suffering. The truth is God allowed that to happen. He was doing something in Job's life. And here's what Job said in Job 23, and verse number 10. He said, when he hath tried me, I shall come forth as gold. What he was talking about is back in the medieval times, back in the old days, a goldsmith, whenever he, would, whenever he would first mine that gold, it didn't have much value to it. It didn't look very good. And so he would take that gold and he would put it into something called a smelter. It was a, it was a furnace. And he would heat the fire up hotter and hotter and hotter. And as he would heat that fire up, it would take all those impure things, it was called draws, and it would melt them off of that gold. And they say that the way the goldsmith would know when the gold was really pure is he would bend down and his face would begin to sweat and pour would, uh, sweat would pour down his face. And, uh, and he would look in there and whenever he could see his reflection in that gold, he would know that it was pure enough. Young people tonight, some of you have been through some awful times in your life. I'm talking to some young people that have hurt like nobody else. I'm talking to some young people tonight that you never dreamed you'd go through what you've gone through. Some of you may have had to go to a funeral where your mom or dad were or brother or sister. Some of you may have some kind of a sickness in your body. And you say, why do I have to go through this when everybody else can run and play and have a healthy body and I don't get to have one? And you've been through some things in your life that's, that, that's hurt you and some things in your life that you say, I would have never chosen to go through this. Hey, young people tonight, you know what? God is paying extra attention to you. God may have you in that furnace of affliction. He's putting you through the fire of sanctifying so that he can burn off all the impurities. You know why he's doing that? You say, because he's mad at me. No, not because he's mad at you. Because he loves you. Because he has a plan for your life. Because he sees something great that he has for you, but there may be some impurities there that he has to get out of the way. Oh, listen tonight, rejoice in the Lord. Hey, like Ron Hamilton wrote, when I am tried and purified, I shall come forth as gold. There's a fire for sanctifying. Hey, listen what the Bible says here in Isaiah 48, 10, behold, I have refined thee, but not with silver. I have chosen thee in the furnace of affliction. I got good news for you. If you're going through the fire of sanctifying tonight, you don't have to go through it alone. In Isaiah chapter number 43. Oh, I love this passage right here in Isaiah chapter number 43. And in verse number two, it says, God told this promise to his people. He said, when thou passest through the waters, I will be with thee. And through the rivers, they shall not overflow thee. When thou walkest through the fire, thou shalt not be burned. Neither shall the flame kindle upon thee. You know what? 132 years later, there was a man named Shadrach a man named Meshach and a man named Abednego and they took God up on that verse Nebuchadnezzar said you better bow down to this image if you don't bow down to this image you're going to go in that fire right there and you're going to be three pieces of Hebrew bacon brother but they said hey king you know what we only serve one God and it's not your God we're not going to bow and we're not going to bend and by the grace of God we are not going to burn hey we're not going to bow down to your image young people tonight God give us some young people that would
and say, hey, I'm not going to bow down to the world's image. Hey, the world's image is there. Hollywood's putting it there. Social media's putting it there. Everybody around me's putting it there. But thank God tonight you can say, I'm not going to bow down. Hey, you will go through the fire. You will go through the fire, but you know what? When they went through the fire, God looked down. He said, there's three boys standing for me. I'm going to go stand with them. And they looked around. All of a sudden, it wasn't just Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, brother. Hey, it wasn't just three of them. It was four of them in there. And the Son of God came down in there and walked with them through. If you go through the fire of sanctifying, brother, you won't have to go through it alone. God will be there with you. There's a fire for sinners. There's a fire for sanctifying. And, oh, young people tonight, please listen to this. There's a fire for service. In Jeremiah chapter 20, in verse number 9, the great prophet said this, Then I said, I will not make mention of him, nor speak any more in his name. See, they'd been mean to Jeremiah. They'd thrown him in a pit. They persecuted him. They had not treated him well. He was not winning friends and influencing people. He was not the most popular person at that time. He said, I'm just not even going to talk about the Lord anymore if this is how it's going to be. He said, but his word was in my heart as a burning fire shut up in my bones. And I was weary with forbearing and I could not stay. You know what that means? That means he got an old-fashioned case of the can't help it. He said, I'm not going to talk about the Lord anymore. People are being mean to me. People are persecuting me. People don't appreciate what I'm doing. But he said, I tried to stop. And all of a sudden, I picked up my Bible again. I began to read it again. And I began to read about the God that stepped out on nothing and made everything. And I began to read about the God that brought us out of Egypt. And I began to read about the God that sent manna from heaven. And the God that sent water from a rock. And I began to read about the God that was able to do mighty miracles and had done mighty miracles. And I said, you know what? I can't stop. I got to go on and preach again. I got to go on and serve God again. He said, I had a fire in my bones. I had a fire in my bones. Young people tonight, I got a question for you. When Abraham was taking Isaac up onto the mountain to, to, uh, to sacrifice him, you remember what Isaac asked him, his son? Isaac said, Father. He said, here is the wood and here is the lamb. Or he said, here's the wood and here's the fire, but where is the lamb for the burnt offering? Now, of course, we know the answer to that. God was going to provide himself a lamb. But the question today is this. We have the wood. We've got the nicest buildings and the best facilities and the best technology anybody in the human race has ever had. And we've got the lamb, the lamb of God that taketh away the sin of the world. We've got him. The question tonight is, where is the fire? Where is the fire? We're living in a time when... It's, we'll serve God if it's cool to serve God. If everybody else is doing it and that's the end thing, we'll do. if everybody else is singing on the bus, we'll sing. But if everybody else is telling dirty jokes, I'm not about to start singing. I'm not about to start telling them, hey, let's not talk like that. Hey, we got to be cool about this thing. we got to fit in with the world. No, when did God ever tell us to fit in with the world? Hey, we're not supposed to be like the world. We're not of the world. We're in the world. But we're supposed to be a peculiar people, my friend. Hey, I'm talking about a fire. Where is the fire in some young people tonight? Oh, John the Baptist, he said this in Matthew chapter number 3 and verse number 11. He said, uh, there's some, somebody coming after me. He will baptize you with the Holy Ghost and with fire. Boy, God baptized some young people tonight with some fire. I'm talking about some young people who say, hey, if it's popular, I'll serve the Lord. If it's not popular, I'll serve the Lord. If everybody else is doing it, I'll do it. If nobody else is doing it, I'll still do it. I just want to serve God in the time that I have in my life. Man, that's what we need tonight. Just some people that will have a fire in their bones. Oh, John Wesley, that great preacher, somebody asked him, said, John, how do you get so many people to come hear you preach? He said, I just set myself on fire. People come to watch me burn. Hey, God, give us a young man tonight that will say, I'm just going to set myself on fire for the Lord. I'm going to let God set me on fire for him tonight. Oh, man, that's what God's looking for. God is looking for somebody that will just get on fire for him. In Psalm number 39 and verse number 3, this verse really stuck out to me some years ago and hit me right between the eyes. 
Boy, you're listening so well. Thank you for it. Psalm 39 and verse number one, the psalmist said this. David said this. I said, I will take heed to my ways that I sin not with my tongue. I will keep my mouth with a bridle while the wicked is before me. Now, these next three words were a description of my school years. I was dumb. Okay, it's not talking about that. It's talking about not able to speak, okay? I was dumb with silence. I held my peace even from good, and my sorrow was stirred. Listen to this, young people. He said, my heart was hot within me. While I was musing, the fire burned. Then spake I with my tongue. We don't use that word musing really today. But that word muse just simply means to sit and think about some things. To think deeply. To ponder. I'll tell you what, there's some things that when I think about them, I begin to get a fire burning in here. When I begin to think about what God has done for me. Brother, when I begin to think about the fact that even though I was raised in a preacher's home, I was heading to that fire for sinners I told you about. I was heading to hell, but now I'm not. I'll never taste the fires of hell. I'm on my way to heaven. Hey, the fire begins to burn. When I think about how good God's been to me, when I ought to be in hell, but instead he's given me so many things in this life. Hey, when I think about how good God is to me, a fire begins to burn. You know, when I was growing up, I had all these desires. One of the big things I wanted to do was to be an airplane pilot. I lived for that. We had a long driveway, and so I'd get my bike out, and I'd ride my bike down that long driveway and pretend I was an airplane on the runway. Only problem is I never would lift off. And uh, so, but that's what I wanted to do. I would draw pictures of airplanes. I'd read books about airplanes. When I was 13 years old, I took my first flight lesson and started flight training. Man, I was excited. I was living my, I was finally getting my dream. The youngest you can be in solo in a plane is 16. So I soloed when I was 16 years old, flew a plane by myself before I drove a car by myself. Man, I was having a time and looking forward to doing that. I wanted to do that all the rest of my life. But I thank God. Still such a sacred time to me, but I thank God that as about a 17-year-old boy, I went to a camp. And there was a man named Brother Mark Swanson preaching at that camp. Brother, I'll tell you what. I told you earlier, I owe him a debt that I can't repay. And I came in there as just another one of the teenagers. And I think actually my brother and I were singing there, but we were just participating like everybody else. And man, when I came in there, I just sat down and there was a guy I got up there to preach. And at first I thought, this guy's crazy. And man, he was doing stuff I'd never seen a preacher do before. And I thought, man, this guy's crazy. But then all of a sudden he began to preach about Gideon's son and how Gideon's son was afraid to pick up the sword because he was just a youth. And he preached a message called, just pick it up, just pick it up. Young person, I don't know all about it, but all I know is that something happened to me that night. Something happened in my heart, and suddenly flying airplanes didn't seem all that great anymore. We left that night, and I'd gone to the altar. When I went outside, they got back to playing capture the flag and doing some other activities, but nothing was the same again. Man, I went home, and I can remember laying in my bunk in my home. I, was, I had the bottom bunk at home, and I remember laying there. And Man, I'd go to sleep, and I'd dream I was preaching. I actually uh, I had preached the whole message in my sleep. When I woke up, I wrote the outline down, and I preached it before. I mean, I would, I would dream about it. And man, there was just something down inside of me that God lit a fire in my heart. And listen, I'm nothing tonight, man. I tell you, I can't preach like Mark Swanson. I can't preach like Mike Johnson. I can't preach like Jack Treber. I can't sing like Alvin Martinez. I mean, listen, you look at me. The only reason my wife married me is she said, I found out the guys, uh, finding the guys like finding a parking spot. All the good ones are taken and the rest are handicapped. I mean, but listen, I can't do anything like that. But I'm just saying, God's not looking for talent. God's not looking for ability. God's not looking for somebody good-looking or athletic or any of that kind of stuff. Listen, God's just looking for somebody tonight that'll have a fire burning inside of them. Somebody that'll say, listen, I don't know everything about it, and I don't know what's going on, but whenever I look around and I see that God wants somebody to serve him, I don't know how I can do it. All I know is, God, if you'll let me do it, here I am, Lord. Please use me. That's what God's looking for tonight. 
The psalmist said, while I was musing, the fire burned. Brother Moyer, could you put that video up there, please? I want you to see something tonight that's going on in our nation. For nearly 30 years, crime was falling in the United States. No more. The national murder rate is at its highest in 25 years. The result of far-left policies that leave innocent Americans at the mercy of violent criminals. You've seen the images. Subway riders pushed onto tracks by the violently deranged. Stores being looted in broad daylight. Elderly women viciously beaten on the street and outside their homes. Gang shootings turning cities into war zones. Hardened criminals rampaging without fear. No fear of arrest. No fear of prosecution. No fear of jail. No fear of any consequence at all. Instead, you are made to live in fear. Woke progressive prosecutors are releasing dangerous predators before trial. Woke far-left politicians have allowed our streets and parks to be overrun with crime and drugs. Police have been made into the enemy and criminals into a protected class. Violent crime is up 21% in Washington, D.C., 35% in Chicago, 41% in New York City, and murders are up 207% in Portland. Cities in chaos, billions in property damages, lives and families destroyed. Stop the woke war on police. Stop the far-left assault on public safety. Stop the you, radical left-wing love affair with criminals. Thank you, Brother Moore. You can Stop the insanity. Well, people can see that. There's something down inside that starts burning. There's something, a, a fire inside that says, man, it ought not be that way. It doesn't have to be that way in America. Brother Moyer, could you show that next picture there? When I see that that's the American delegation that's going to represent our country, that's two males going to represent America to the French ambassador. Something starts burning inside. Could you put the next one up, Brother Moyer? When here's the tweet from the President of the United States. Today, the people's house, your house, sends a message to the country and to the world. America is a nation of pride. Something starts burning inside here. Could you put the next one up, Brother Moyer? I was flying out here. That's, not, that, that's in Austin, Texas. No American flag, but a huge transgender flag and a huge LGBTQ, HIV, AIDS flag. Look at that. I tell you what, would you put up that last one there, Brother Moyer? Drag Queen Bible Story Hour. San Francisco Church features reading from Book of Exodus, Flamey Grant singing hymn, Be Thou My Vision. It's even crept into so-called Christianity. We were sitting today eating lunch, and there was, thank you, Brother Moyer, you can put that down. There were two people sitting beside us, and the person nearest me, I, it was a couple, I thought it was a man. And all of a sudden, I heard one of the people at the restaurant say ladies, and I looked over, and I realized that it, Looked just like a man, but it was a lady or a woman, and it was a couple that was sitting there. And she had heard or overheard our conversation, and she looked over, and she said, are you a pastor? And I said, yes, ma'am, and asked where I was from. And uh, we talked to her a little bit, and we gave her a track. She said, oh, yeah, I go to church. And she named the name of the church in San Jose. She said, my pastor, and she called his name. She said, I've been with him a long time. You know what's happened is there's Christianity that doesn't have any fire. 
The reason that's going on, yeah, it talked about far-left prosecutors, and it talked about far-left policies and showed pictures of Bernie Sanders and all that. And we can blame Joe Biden all we want, and we can blame Bernie Sanders all we want, and we can blame Nancy Pelosi all we want, and it wouldn't hurt anything to get new leaders. I understand that. But young people, did you know that sitting inside this room right now is a bigger power than Joe Biden, a bigger power than Bernie Sanders, a bigger power than Nancy Pelosi? Sitting inside this building right now are some young people that have your whole lives in front of you. And if God would somehow just put a fire in your heart tonight, that you would say, look, I don't want my kids to grow up in that kind of country. That's not my country. That's not what it's supposed to be like right there. Hey, listen, if God would just get a hold of your heart, listen, young man, I can't call you to preach. And if your mama called and Papa Cena won't do any good anyway. None of, the, none of us can call you to preach tonight. But I think about back 20, 30, 40 years ago, there were dozens and hundreds of men getting called to preach. I can't believe that God's calling less men to preach today when things are a thousand times worse than he was back then. I believe God's calling more young men to preach, but they're not answering the call. Young man tonight, can you feel that fire burning? When you look at that video, when you look at those pictures, hey, when you hear these things, is there a fire that starts burning in your heart tonight to say, look, I can't do everything. I'm just one person, but if God will let me, I'm willing to do something about it. I'm willing to serve God. I'm willing to preach the word of God. Is there some young lady that would say, I can't change this world by myself. I can't change the country by myself, but God, if you'll have me, hear my send me. I'll be whatever you want me to be. I'll do whatever you want me to do. There's a fire burning down inside of me. Talk about a fire for service. Oh, would you let God light that fire tonight? I read about a man named Tom Dalton that lived in the Blue Ridge Mountains in a cabin. He started a fire in his little cabin. And for some reason, his kids and grandkids thought it would be neat to keep the same fire that he started going. So they did. After Tom Dalton died, they, they had kept the fire going while he was alive. And after Tom Dalton died, his kids kept coming and putting wood on that fire. They said even in the hottest months, it would take a full cord of firewood to keep that fire in that cabin burning. For As of the reading that I read, it was, almost, it was about 200 years. Generation after generation after generation had kept that same fire burning in Tom Dalton's cabin. For whatever reason. You know, when I read that, all of a sudden I began to think a little over 200 years ago, there was a fire started in this country. It's called the Great Awakening. It was started by men like Jonathan Edwards, who would stand up and he wouldn't yell, and he wouldn't scream, and he wouldn't jump around, he wouldn't throw out $5 bills everywhere. He wouldn't break dance up here. I'm talking about, hey, he, he didn't have all kinds of dynamic ability about him, but he would stand up and just hide his face behind his paper and read his paper off. And as he read a message called Sinners in the Hands of an Angry God, 500 people fell under conviction and trusted Christ as their Savior. It was started by men like John Wesley. John Wesley was a missionary to the state of Georgia from England. And he came and he preached the word of God and souls got saved. And a drunk came to Georgia, and he walked into a little country store. He said, hey, I want to buy some beer. And the guy said, you won't find any here. He cussed a little bit, went on down the road a little bit. He said, hey, that place wouldn't even sell me any alcohol. I want to buy some right here. The guy said, you won't find any here either. After about the third or fourth store, he said, what in the world's wrong with this blankety-blank blank place? And here's what the man said. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. John Wesley. Started by, started by men like George Whitfield. George Whitfield would stand outside and preach without a microphone. He would preach till his vocal cords would bleed, and he would preach, and Benjamin Franklin estimated you could hear him preach a mile away, and souls would be saved, and whenever he died, he stepped out on his balcony. People asked him to preach, and he stepped out on his balcony, and he preached the best he could. He shut the shutters and went inside and laid down and died. What a way to go. The Great Awakening was started by men like that. And thank God, on down the line, there were some other men that said, you know what, that fire was important. We're going to keep it going. 
And it was kept going by some men like D.L. Moody and some men like Billy Sunday and some men like Charles Finney. And thank God when they passed off the scene, it was kept going by some men like Jack Hiles and Tom Malone and Lee Robertson and Lester Roloff. And I thank God some of these men that are up here right now are still keeping that fire burning, but they would even tell you that fire is flickering in America. It's not as bright as it once was. Young man, my question to you tonight is this. You may not be a John Wesley, and I'm not either. You may not be a D.L. Moody, and I'm not either. You may not be a, a Jack Howes or a Jack Treber or a Mike Johnson or a Mark Swanson, and I'm not either. But could we at least determine that if that fire that was started back there that's kept our nation free, if it was important to them, would you please let it be important to you tonight and say, I'm going to keep that fire burning. A fire for service, and then I'm done tonight. Number four, and this is all that's going to matter, a fire at the seat, the judgment seat. In 1 Corinthians chapter 3 and verse number 11, the Bible says, For other foundation can no man lay than that is laid, which is Jesus Christ. Now, if any man build upon this foundation gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, stubble, every man's work shall be made manifest, for the day shall declare it, because it shall be revealed by fire. And the fire shall try every man's work of what sort it is. If any man's work abide which he hath built thereupon, he shall receive a reward. If any man's work shall be burned, he shall suffer loss. But he himself shall be saved, yet so as by fire. Young people, one day you're going to stand before the Lord. You won't have your boyfriend with you. You won't have your girlfriend with you. You won't have your best friend with you. You won't have your youth pastor with you or your mom or dad with you. You'll be standing there all alone looking at the creator of the universe and looking at the thorns, uh, the print of the thorns in his brow, looking at the nail holes in his hands. And his eyes are going to burn straight into yours. Whenever he asked, what did you do for me? It's not going to matter how many three-pointers you hit. It's not going to matter how many touchdowns you threw. It's not going to matter how many home runs you hit. I'm not against any of these things. I love sports, and if you're good at it, that's great. I'd love to watch you play. It's not going to matter how pretty your girlfriend was or how hot your boyfriend was. None of that's going to matter. It's not going to matter what kind of vehicle you drove or how much money you had in the bank or what kind of house you lived in. By and by, when I look on his face, beautiful face, thorn-riven face, by and by, when I look on his face, I wish I had given him more. Whenever your works are put in that fire at the judgment seat, is it just going to be ashes because you didn't do anything to have lasting reality for Jesus? Will it just be burned up? Or will there be some gold, silver, and precious stones to look at Jesus and say, Jesus, I don't deserve them. I don't deserve them. I don't deserve to have a crown. I don't deserve to have any jewels. I don't even deserve to be here. I deserve to be in hell. But I'm so thankful at least I can hear you say, well done, that I have a little something I can throw at your feet and say, Jesus, thank you for dying for me. Young people, what about it tonight? If you're not saved, now is the accepted time. Would you trust Jesus tonight to save you from the fire for sinners? That's all any of us are that are saved tonight are sinners saved by grace. We all deserve to be in that fire, but would you trust him to save you tonight? Hey, listen, if you're going through a hard time, instead of getting bitter at God and quitting on God, would you trust him to purify you and empower you through the fire of sanctifying? Hey, tonight, young people, would you uh, tonight let God light a fire of service in your heart? Oh, listen, tonight it's like pouring gas on a fire when you come to this youth conference. I mean, it billows up inside. and You get on that bus and you say, man, I'll tell you what, I can't wait to go back home. I'm going to go back home and turn my town upside down. I'm going to be the best teenager my youth pastor's got. And man, it's just like pouring gas on the fire. But you know what? When you get back home and you see the old video games and you hear the old music and you see the old things on your phone and you get around the old friends, that fire's going to begin to die down. You know what you have to do? The Bible says in the book of Proverbs, where no wood is there, the fire goeth out. Hey, brother, you got to keep putting wood on that fire every day. That fire's going to go out unless you get the wood of God's word on that fire. Unless you get on your knees when you get home and you pray and you're faithful to Sunday school and you're faithful to church and you're faithful to go to your youth 
youth pastor and say, hey, there's not a whole lot I can do, but if you want me to sweep the bus, I'll do it. If you want me to clean the toilets, I'll do it. Whatever you want me to do, hey, I'm just here to serve. You know what you're doing? You're putting wood on the fire, my friend, and you're going to keep that fire stoked up to serve God. Keep on putting wood on that fire. Would you let God light that fire of service in you so that you can rejoice at the fire at the judgment seat? Every head bowed, please, and every eye closed. Thank you so much. Thank you for listening tonight. Young people tonight, what about it? Do you know for sure you're saved? If you're not saved tonight, why don't you just step out of that pew? You say, well, what do people think? Who cares what they think? If you wind up in hell, it's not going to matter what they thought. Would you just step out and come down here and if you want somebody to talk to you, go to your youth pastor, please, or raise your hand. We'll have somebody, a young man right down here in the black shirt, if someone could talk with him. Hey, listen, if you need to be saved tonight, please get saved tonight. What about are you going through a hard time and the devil's tempting you to get bitter at God? Please don't get bitter at God. He's trying to sanctify you. He's trying to separate you and burn that dross off so he can use you. How about that fire of service? I don't want my kids to grow up in the nation we saw on that screen. I don't want them to grow up in a communist country. You're going to have kids before you know it. I don't want them to grow up in it either, and you don't either. I'll tell you what's going to stop it. It's not a new president, but some young people tonight that will get a new fire burning in their heart. Would you beg God tonight to put that fire of service? Young man, maybe tonight you say, I've been holding back because I don't think I can preach. You're right, you can't, and neither can anybody up here on this platform. But that's what it's all about. Us saying, God, I can't, but you can. And Lord, if you'll empower me, all I know to do is say, yes, Lord, I will. I'll preach if you want me to preach. I'll go to the mission field if you want me to go to the mission field. I'll be a layman. I'll be an electrician or a plumber or whatever it might be, but I just got to serve you. I just want to serve you with my life. Let God light that fire of service so you can rejoice at the fire of the judgment seat. Thank you for listening to the audio preaching podcast from North Valley Baptist Church in Santa Clara, California, led by Pastor Jack Treber. For more information about our ministry or to find out how to get in contact with us, visit our website at nvbc.org. May God bless you as you serve Him this week.